Heavenly Father, creation morning, Lord, when you formed from the earth, when you fashioned those bones, you knelt on the ground, Lord, and you breathed the breath. May that breath in our life turn our bones into Turn our bones into life that actually transforms this world, God. I keep on asking it every single day, and I ask it for us today. That our center may be you, may be inspired by the Holy Spirit. God, I ask it so much today. God, we need it more so now than ever before. Bless us, transform us, change us, renew us. May the breath in our lungs speak only of you. Bless us in Jesus' most beautiful and wonderful name. Amen and amen. Please be seated. Me and Jared. So if you are new, and I can see, uh, I can see there's some new people here, you would not know that we are in the final week of the Grounded in Love series that we began at the beginning of this year here. I said last week that I was gutted that we were at the end of the series because I have enjoyed, and gutted, by the way, is a pretty awful word, but it's, it's kind of like what I feel. Uh, but I obviously would not be able to gut anything because I'd be scared of it. Um, but it's an emotion that I'm feeling right now. Um, but it is how I feel about this because I have really enjoyed the book of Ephesians. I feel like Ephesians is something we come back to uh, more than once every now and again, and we will come back to it in a few years' time again as a church because it's so good. And I have encouraged you to come here and to look at this passage and to mark it up and to highlight it and to see where we are. And of course, we are now at the end of this. We are here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, because we've come to the end of this in particular book. And so we're all the way down here in Ephesians chapter chapter 6, verse 10, and it's, it's brilliant here, but you know that I'm not going to just dive into this thing without, of course, coming to the passages uh, in between. I would like to be able to transition, so when I spoke last week, I actually addressed a little bit of the chapters in between, and of course, I have to address some of the chapters in between before we get to chapter 6, right? Which would only be fair, would you agree? Right, so uh, then I, I go back a little bit. Where did we end last week? We ended in verse uh, 21, and, and I come to chapter 5, verse 22, and it says there, and I'm just going to read the text as it says it without any interpretation. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Oh. Let me read that again. Just silently to myself look over there. No, okay, so um, I think it's a great passage. I think it's a great passage. I think it deserves a lot of attention, and we should just focus on that. And we should focus on that uh, a lot, a lot. Uh, it's a great passage. Of course, um, I would like to address that passage in great detail, and uh, there are actually more that follows it naturally, and, uh, and, but we're going to skip this passage. You're like, no! Some of you are like, Why? Because we're going to address this passage in two weeks' time in an entire new series called Love Glue. All right, there you go, Love Glue, new series. We're going to start a new series where myself and, uh, and I'm going to sp we're going to speak. It's a four-week series. Danny, uh, Pastor Danny is going to preach uh, the third part of this series. I'm going to preach the other parts of this series. And on the second week, we will address this particular portion of Scripture, the Ephesians portion here. So that's why we're skipping it right now. Oh, yes, Doris, thank you for reminding me. If you want to copy the manuscript uh, that we have for the message today, then... 
please just raise your hand and Doris, our elder, will be passing them around because I tend to speak a little bit slowly and you may want to be able to catch up with me and so just raise your hand and she will pass the manuscript around to you. There you go, that's good. So we will be addressing this and I want to encourage you to be able to join us in that. Of course, in preparation for next week, which is the Love Loose series, we have a podcast. Becky and I do a podcast. Uh, it's unedited, it's just live. Uh, we record it and post it without any filters. Sometimes I feel like we should filter it. And, uh, and so it is online, and you're welcome to subscribe on your iPhone, and uh, of course you can try on your Android device as well. We can pray for you for that. And, uh, and so it's on there, and you can prepare by listening to this 10-minute podcast every day in preparation for the sermon next week that addresses 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where we read the passage every day, and then we discuss the text and let you know unfettered what we said. And uh, again, Wives, submit to your husband. Very good text in a few weeks' time that we should uh, definitely address, and hopefully we will address that in the podcast as well, which we will. But uh, I encourage you to listen to that and uh, be in there. But for today, for today, as we come to the end of the series, we are in this one word over here that I highlighted for us. And it's very important that you know this, that, that Paul, when he writes the book of Ephesians, he comes to the end here in Ephesians chapter 6. This is the way that you understand the entire letter of Ephesians. So you would say, Paul, why didn't you write at the beginning? It's because the way he thinks is that he will tell you all the beautiful stuff. He will tell you the first couple of chapters, all the glory, how we are one in Christ, everything is great, you can have spiritual strength, and then he will say to you, hey, by the way, here's some practical things of how to do this, but just because you think it's practical, I want you to finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, and then he starts to tell you, and he's got this great metaphor, he says, put on the whole armor. He says, put on this whole armor, put it on, because... You know that he's in prison at the time as he's writing this letter. In fact, he's shackled uh, with a, with a Roman, uh, Roman guard that's shackled him. Every four hours, this other guard has shackled him 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all the time for the entire period that he's in prison. He's got a guard by him. So he's got this metaphor. It's like, what could I use that's nearby me that would be inspirational that I could describe? Oh, wait a second, there's a, a Roman centurion attached next to me all the time. I will talk about armor. Now, I would love to talk about all the armor. I would love to talk about all the different things, but I think that's an entirely different sermon, and I'm not going to do that today. And you can talk about it in your connect groups after church today. It's great. In fact, I'm going to talk about something inside the passage that we often miss. Uh, because in the English translations, in verse 18, there's often a break. Um, and they do this because they don't actually understand that in the Greek there is actually not supposed to be a break. So in the English Standard Version, the version we're reading, you'll see, uh, you can't see this over the communion table here, but in your version you'll see there's no break, it just literally goes, which is the Word of God praying at all times. It just continues as one continual thought because it is intended to be one continual thought inside the Greek. The actual term here is basically the Greek feature is that the participle dependent on the imperative form of the prayer. Wow. I had to look that up. I did, I really did. Not my favorite subject, this particular area here, but I looked it up to find out why they break it in some places and why they don't break it in some places. And the reason is this. Prayer is actually what Paul says is undergirding the entire armor. You have all these elements of the armor. They're all good, very important. Understanding salvation, the word of God, all of this stuff. But without prayer, they are not held together. In fact, verses 10 to 17 are glued together by prayer. So he says, uh, as our words to remember, and I've shown it to you on the screen right now that you can see this, pray in the spirit at all times. And our words to remember were, pray with all kinds of prayer and ask for 
you need, which is great. To do this, you must always be ready, never give up, always pray for all God's people, which is wonderful for us, right? We love to pray all the time. In fact, everybody prays all the time. Did you know that? You're like, I think the last time I prayed, I fell asleep. People pray, actually, all the time. I mean, everybody prays. Buddhists pray, Muslims pray, Hindus pray. Christians, they even pray. I know, you're kind of shocked. Everybody prays. So what's the big deal inside here? What is the big deal that Paul's saying if everybody prays inside here? Well, let me take you through a little story that I believe that Paul would have had because it's a famous character in the First Testament. And Paul, remember, is a great scholar of the First Testament. That was his Bible, after all. He understood it well. He gives allusions to it. And uh, and this is a great story that kind of tells us how he understood prayer. And there's lots more inside it. I mean, you can read about Daniel chapter 10. You can read about Jonah. And you can read, I mean, there's so many great examples of how prayer is to be understood. But this one here, because of our time, I think will actually help us understand this well. It's found in 1 Kings chapter 18. Anybody know what happens in 1 Kings chapter 18? Great. All right. Well-known, well-known passage. I'm glad you memorized it. He just didn't want to show off. All right. So 1 Kings chapter 18. You can turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 18. I forgot to write down what page number it was inside there, but it is the same page for all of you. Once you find it out, you could just whisper it like Chinese whispers and hope that everybody gets it. Um, but uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, if you don't know where it is, just go to the front index page and look up the book Kings and then look for number one, 1 Kings, and look for chapter 18. And uh, verse one, I'm going to actually dive down to verse 16 inside there. So this is what it says in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 16. Ready? And I'm going to read this at a very slow pace. <sighs> so Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. That's the slow pace. And Ahab said, Elijah, Ahab said to him, is it you, troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but have you, your father's house, because you have abandoned the commandments of the law and followed the Baals? Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you go on limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Isn't that great? Can you imagine that? I mean, he's just there. He's just speaking to them, and they don't answer him a word. They're just kind of like silent about this. They're just like they're not interested in anything. They're not interested in saying anything inside this. He's just kind of like, I said it to you, but they're not interested in saying it. But that's all right. He agreed to it. They said, I'll do this. Paul understood really well what it is to be in the middle of a situation where you lay down a challenge. And when you lay down a challenge, nobody's interested in speaking back to you. Only your enemies are willing to speak back to you. Remember this in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10? Where's Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, all the way up here? So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be known to him, to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. He's like, look, I know what it is to preach. I know what it is to speak. And I will speak to the rulers and authorities, even in heavenly places. And I will tell them about Jesus Christ. And he says, Don't un- I understand, so that I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, for which is your glory. Because he knows when I speak to the power, when I speak truth to power, I'm going to end up in prison. 
They're not going to like this when I speak about this because it's going to change them. He understands what it is to be in a situation and to speak up. So Elijah sees himself there, standing by himself. And where does Elijah get his strength from? Elijah has this relationship, this relationship with God where he's just like, my strength, finally my strength, my strength is in God. And so I'm just going to stand before the people, the 450 prophets of Baal, the 400 prophets of Asherah, and I'm just going to say to them and to Ahab and all the people, just bring these two, lay them before you, and you pray to your God, and I'll pray to my God, and let's see what happens. Now, I talked to some people this week about prayer, and uh, they told me that uh, they remember years ago, even at this church here, how there was this thing called the ABCs of Bible prayer. And uh, they said there was this guy and his book, and they tried this, and there are, and I, I, I looked it up, and I read some stuff on that, and I also read lots of different ways that people pray. There are so many techniques of prayer. Some people pray like this. No, 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 I'm kidding. But there are so many different ways that people pray. People have all sorts of systems of prayer. People actually pray where they like they need something to pray. People need to hold something. People need to move something. People need to see something. People need to stand in a particular place. People have a prayer room. People have, you know, art. People have, they have all sorts of systems to pray. People need to be with other people. There's all sorts of methods because that's what we apparently need in order to maximize our prayer life. Well, let's read on the text inside here and see what it says. In verse 26 of 1 Kings 18, it says this, And they took the bull that was given them, and they prepared it, and they called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon. Oh, Baal, answer us! But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped around the altar, and they made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them and crying, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he's musing or he's relieving himself, which is going to the bathroom, or he's on a journey, or perhaps he's asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud, and they cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, midday, you know they've been going on for a long time now, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation, but there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. You guys ever prayed like that? You're like, nah. nah. Anybody ever prayed like that? You ever had somebody in your life that's had cancer? You ever had somebody in your life that's had like a horrible, horrible thing happen to them? And you have begged God. I mean, you have begged God. You have like wept with God about this. You have begged, begged, begged God. God, save this person. Resurrect this person. You ever sat down with parents who've lost a child, who begged God to resurrect their child? You ever sat down with somebody who's just like in the midst of like, by the loss of the loved one? I mean, begged God, please, if anything, have me, but not them. We gather for days with prayer with people, sometimes for weeks, for months. Sometimes we say what we need is, we need everybody to pray. If everybody prays, then God will respond. Because what you need is 144,000 people to pray. Then God's like, oh, oh, did you see that? That's a lot of people. Now I'm going to respond. Two people praying, nah, not significant. But 144,000 people praying, that's got to be important. That's worth my time. Is that how God operates? Is God like, I'm only going to do it when enough people get together. When it's significant enough. I actually like to be lobbied. That's what God is? Is that how prayer works in the Bible? 
where he's like, that's why we need, I mean, have you ever received that Facebook message? <laughs> send on the prayer chain. If you don't send on the prayer chain, what happens? God stops responding? I'm like, I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? Panic, panic, panic. <laughs> I don't send them on. Seriously, we have this kind of idea about how God works in prayer. Some of us even cause ourselves to suffer in prayer. We're like, well, maybe what I have to do is I have to cause pain to myself. As if if I'm suffering, then God responds. Like, uh, kind of demented. Like God's like, oh, yes, I can see now that you are really suffering. Therefore, because you're in pain, now I will respond to you. Is that how God really works? that he wants us to be in pain for him to respond. And this is the stories that we read in the Bible. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very candidly, I'm just reading 1 Kings 18. This is what they did. They beat themselves, cut themselves. They prayed for days. They had 850 people running around, cutting themselves up, praying all day long. So I'm just wondering whether this is what it is. Is this how we actually do? I have prayed like this. I prayed where I thought I needed more faith. I prayed thinking I need more people. Does Elijah need more faith? Does he need more people? Or does he just have this personal knowledge and know who God is? Verse 36 says this, And at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. I obey. That's what he says. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me that these people may know that you, O oh Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Then fire of the Lord fell down and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and lit up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and now they speak. Now they speak. And they said, the Lord, he is good. The Lord, he is good. There is no power in prayer. There is power in God. All right? It is not in the tool, it is in God. So the technique is not in, do you work out how to pray more? Don't leave here thinking, I'm going to pray now four hours a day. I'm going to pray now 85,000 hours a day. I'm going to stop the sun in the sky so I can pray longer. It is not in the method, it is not in the timing, it is not the quality or the quantity. It is all in God. Our center is in God. That's where the strength is. That's where the power is. That's when we have a mustard-like faith. And we can move mountains, right? That's what Jesus comes along and says, I think you guys got it all right and wrong here. God is the one who has power, not you. Prayer is the knife and fork, and the food is God. Prayer is the gas pedal, and the engine, and everything else. That is God. You want to hear the voice of God speaking to you, you need to respond, because he's actually speaking to you all the time. You're like, what? God has spoken to you, God is speaking to you, God will speak to you all the time. There are moments every day where God is speaking to us, and this is what Paul is talking about inside here. He says, look, verse 18, praying at all times in spirit. When he talks about where we are battling against things that are unseen, when he talks about things that are just attacking us, things that are darkness, powers that you don't understand. There are things taking place in this world that we don't understand. He says, you've got to pray all the time in the Spirit. And when you do, 
God speaking to you, and your response to prayer is to obey. It's as simple as that. Respond and obey. Problem is that we don't obey. We like to just say, is that really God? <laughs> is that really his voice? Elijah's like, it's your voice. I obey. It's as simple as this. And God is speaking to you all the time. I mean all the time. Today, I don't even have time to talk to you about all the ways that God speaks or how God speaks, all the ways that God talks to us and how much time it takes. And, and I had all these different metaphors, but because of time, I don't have this. So I'm just going to end with this thing. When I was in uh, Roseville, California, Paddy, Tim, and I, just a few months ago, um, actually early this, sorry, not a few months ago, 2018, earlier in the year in 2018, I was up there really early, Paddy and Tim were up really early one day, we had a meeting, and uh, we thought, hey, let's go get some breakfast. So we went to the historical part of Roseville and uh, went downtown to this breakfast place there to, to get some food. And as we went to eat, um, the breakfast place was horrible. I mean, food was horrible. And the server who was serving us had had a horrible morning before we arrived. We were one of the first people there. And uh, so we were not the cause of them feeling horrible. Just FYI, right? They felt horrible before they arrived. They wanted us to leave as quick as possible. As we drank the coffee, we were like, not worth it, so we stopped. Uh, and the food was just terrible. So we'd like, hey, let's just, let's, you know, we tried to win them over. They're like, oh, nothing was going to work. So we said goodbye. We left. We walked. And we thought, we've got to go find somewhere, you know, to survive. So uh, we went down the street and we found another coffee shop. And we went inside this coffee shop. And I, I didn't understand, I didn't understand why it wasn't working in that restaurant. You'll understand in a second. God is working inside all of this. So we went to this other coffee shop. Amazing. Good food, great place. We're sitting down, we're talking. As I'm sitting down there, Patty and I and, and Tim were talking about church and life and everything else inside there. This, uh, this man walks in and he comes over and says, Hey, Pastor Japhet. Hey, Chaplain Patty. I'm like, and I look at him, I'm like, I don't know who you are. And then Patty's like, I kind of know who you are, Patty's like, and the guy says, I'm a graduate of Walla Walla, and uh, I've met you a couple of times. And, and I said, Well, how do you know me? And he said, You know, I was last summer. Um, I was actually in Denver and um, down there, and, and, and so I kind of went to your church uh, a couple of times. I said, well, brother, I, I don't remember you coming to Boulder, <laughs> and uh, you only came a couple of times. Mm, mm. So I gave him a little bit of hard time about that. I said, you should have come and stayed, man. What are you doing out here? And so we talked a little bit about life. He introduced me to his girlfriend who was standing next to him, and we chatted a little bit, and then we blessed them, and they left, and they went to order food. By this time, by the way, I knew pretty much all the staff at the place, and I knew all the menu items. I'd memorized all of them. I'd tested them, a few of them. And, uh, and so as they were in line, God spoke to me. And God said to me, look, young students, young people uh, trying to make ends meet, just go pay for it, right? Go show some love to these people. So I got in line right behind them and I said, hey, let me just pay for you. Uh, Boulder Church, we, we love you. When you finish your grad school, when you finish everything that's going on in your life, come home, come back. We'll look after you. And so I just did it, right? And they're like, ah, oh, you don't have to. I said, no, come on. Go and enjoy this kind of stuff. This week, this week, so this is a long time ago. This week, I receive a card in the mail. Um, and this is the, what I receive. It's uh, this thank you card, this thing here. So I open it up, and uh, this is what it says. And uh, you'll see that um, 
I crossed out some stuff, uh, just keep it anonymous inside here. It says, Dear Pastor Japheth, I realize how long in coming this is, but I wanted to thank you. A few months ago, my girlfriend and I met you when you were at uh, the Fourscore uh, Coffee Shop in Roseville, California. Very good, by the way. Uh, you were kind enough to buy us our coffee and our pastries that morning and spoke with us for a couple of minutes. It meant the world to us both. I'd just come back from living in Boulder for the summer with no job and not sure what I was doing for grad school. And his girlfriend there was looking for work after having, been, having lived in this other place for the last six years. We were both feeling pretty discouraged and broke, right? But, next slide, but your kind gesture that morning reminded us that God is still looking out for us and he cares about the little things. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? God speaks all the time. Prayer is constantly happening all the time. And God cares about the little things. You just have to respond and obey. It's as simple as this. It's not complicated to pray. It's not complicated to be in conversation with God. You have to respond. Sometimes you have to say sorry. You get an impression from God. It's the voice of God saying, say sorry, then say sorry. Sometimes you have to repent. Sometimes you have to forgive, then forgive. Sometimes you have to love, then love. Sometimes you have to give, then give. Stop resisting all the time and rationalizing everything. Sometimes you want to follow Jesus and follow Jesus. You want to be strong. Ephesians 6.10 reminds us that our center, our strength is God. You want to put on the armor and become a disciple. Ephesians 6, 10 to 20 reminds us that our center, our way of discipleship is built on prayer. And prayer is just a tool that takes you to know God.